Welcome to Focus Schools podcast, Leading for Impact. For this episode, we will be doing our from our series of Every Student Every Day. And my name is Brett Bishop, and I have been working with Focus Schools for multiple years now, and I've really appreciated the opportunity to support schools and districts around the country in their work in making students' lives better. And I'm so happy to be joined here today by my good friend, Kathy Crum. How are you today, Kath? I'm great, Brett. Thank you. Really excited today to have this opportunity to chat with you, Kathy, because this I feel passionate about the subject matter today because it's something that I think in our work we're doing all the time. And I think principals and superintendents and people who are working in schools and school districts are faced with this every day. And that's the idea of having these conversations that sometimes are called difficult conversations. But for purposes of today, we may talk about some different ways to think about and give them different names. But the idea of when you're working with people that the leaders oftentimes are faced with um, having conversations that inspire emotions within us that make us hesitant or stop us from having them that somehow slow down the progress of the organization or the get us away from the mission of the organization. So I'm excited about talking about this today with you, Kathy. And I wondered if we might start out by just thinking about in your history as a leader in the past, when you've had these conversations, is there anything that you could share with the people who are listening that helped you that you did as sort of routines or practices prior to the conversation? Is there anything you did that you prepared yourself with? Yes, yes. So I've had um, experience at all, all different levels of schooling and also in central office. So I've really worked with many, many different kinds of people and had many different kinds of conversations. I would say that overall, is when I think about these kind of conversations, which um, you're calling them difficult conversations, we could even call them just important conversations. Number one, I would say that helped me was the word conversation, because oftentimes when we don't think of it as conversation, we think of it as more directive than that. For me, that brings up a lot of emotion to go into it with. I'm just we're just going to have a conversation about what's going on here. That's one thing. The second thing is to point out if it's impacting student achievement, if the behavior or whatever is happening or not happening is impacting student achievement, then, you know, to be able to give some real examples of, of why this is taking place. And then also I'd say preparation would, would be something. So I, I would oftentimes, maybe I need to try it out or practice it, or at least write out, just, just give myself um, a little guide into what we're going to talk about. And probably most important, I'd say, is that I ask more questions and I listen more than I talk because in the conversation that I said at the beginning, it really, you're, you're trying to unpack barriers and you're trying to learn what's going on so that you can be more helpful and we can get to the same expectation. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really valuable. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think it's sometimes those distinctions were so helpful for me as a principal when we start to think about the idea of in this conversation, it's called a conversation for a reason, as you pointed out, that what I receive is, is just equally important as to what I say and probably more important. And so the idea of me going into this conversation with the intent of doing a lot of listening, and that that was not the way I was approaching that as a principal until someone helped me. And I think it's really valuable what you pointed out there. Is there anything that you did during conversations that you that helped you in some way or that helped you to, to be to come to an outcome that you hoped it would? 
the key, I think, for me would be just to keep it connected to student achievement, keep it connected to the one thing that we're talking about. For instance, you know, you are you're late getting to work or whatever. And so then why is this impacting student achievement? Well, because we have to start the day every day. And then, well, you know, what are some barriers? What else? What else? What else? What else? What can I do to help? So those were just knowing that I had those little questions at the ready and they didn't have to be rocket science, but my intent is to find out what is the problem here? What, and what can I do to help? Or maybe, maybe we can't. And then we find that out too. Yeah. And I like to me when I'm working with people now and the role that I'm in now, I often hear people talk about emotions that get in the way during these important or difficult conversations that sometimes are the reason they don't have them. To me, anything that someone can do, like you said about having some questions written down ahead of time, sometimes that's that's helpful because it, it means, all right, I know I can always look down at my paper. I can always prompt myself and I can make sure that I get whatever I needed to, to inject in the conversation to happen. But I, I'm really interested in also when you were talking about the importance of listening and during the conversation, I'm, I'm confessing my own sins here because I think I was a person who was really listening just to talk. I was only listening to find out when the next time I could speak was, mm-hmm. rather than listening to actually learn from this person. Why are they experiencing this? You use the example of, you know, they're showing up late. There's a myriad of reasons, you know, someone might be showing up late. And some of them might be things that you think, well, this person doesn't, you know, really care about their job. But a lot of them might not be that. A lot of them might be something that's, you know, very, very much not that. And so to me, if I go into it with the intent of listening, it could really change my thoughts when I leave. Um, right. But I, I honestly, that was not, not a strength for me when I was starting out with this stuff. I wondered also if you talk about sometimes after you have one of these challenging conversations, is there anything you've learned that helped you to make sure that they you know, were productive afterwards and were not destructive? Yeah, you know, Brad, I think probably 80% of the time, one of the things I found out was that the person honestly really didn't have any idea that they were doing this thing that was counterproductive, or they were understanding it. They were not understanding the expectations. They were not understanding where they fit in to the whole picture. So I say that's, I guess, a, a thing I learned is don't assume that I know why, you know, that, that they even understand what it is or, or have any concept that they're not meeting some sort of an expectation. So it's just a way for you to, um, to help people understand what the expectations are and how you can help them meet. And afterwards then, I mean, it runs the gamut. Some people, as you know, some people, if you're a leader, you have to be very direct with them. And, but at the end of the conversation, they make a commitment and you say, okay, and then we're going to monitor this commitment in this way. Right. And for other people, it can be, you know, let's just keep giving me feedback, you know, keep checking and help me help me with some, some things like that. So I think the, your, your after part runs the gamut that way, depending on the person. One of the things that I was thinking about is our, you know, one of our, um, you know, sort of heroes of leadership that we always try to learn from is uh, Bene Brown. And she talks about clarity as kindness. And so to me, the clarity you leave the conversation with is often going to be a determinant of how well it actually works. And you talked about having clarity on how we're going to monitor this. Mm-hmm. afterwards. I, I really like that idea. I think it's powerful to have a collaborative conversation about that before you finish to say, okay, well, let's, let's together figure out how we're going to monitor this so that um, we can be clear about whether it's working or not. The other thing I, I, my experience 
when you were talking before about sometimes people don't even, they're not even on the same page in terms of understanding why you think this is a problem. I had a very humbling experience as a principal where I was so frustrated with multiple classrooms in my building that were, to my way of thinking, were very far behind in our work on best practice. I thought we were making tremendous progress in most of the classrooms. And I thought this is going really well from that perspective, but there's three or four were not. A longtime teacher in the building who I had a ton of respect for was on my instructional leadership team. She said to me, she, she pulled me in my own office and said, listen, I think you're perceiving there are people who are resisting what you're asking them to do and what we're asking them to do as a leadership team. She said, I don't see it that way. I don't see its resistance. I think you're, you're, make, you're mistaken there. I think it's, you're not being clear with them. I think they're, they're not understanding. And man, coming from her, that was huge because of how much respect I had for her. And she was someone who was fully on board and leading the way. And she was, she was so astute to see, now these people aren't really resisting you, Brett. They're just not understanding, you know, not being clear enough. And boy, did that help a lot. So to me, it's like, sometimes you don't even, the people you're talking about don't even understand what you're asking them to do, you know? So I wondered also if we might get a chance to just talk about, there's a couple of things that interest me in the shift of the word from difficult to important conversations. So I've been working with some, some people who are in sort of turnaround or really, really good to great um, leadership positions. And one of the things we're working on is the frequency in which these conversations happen, because what we're finding is that um, they're not happening enough. And then we're expecting things to change, but then we're not really having the clarity conversations that you're referring to. So I wondered what your thoughts were around that kind of thing, how, how someone might think about that as a leader. You know, I, I guess I can just give a really, really simple example, just really clear example, I guess, of something that I saw a couple of years ago in a school that I worked with. Um, they were, everybody was going to do classroom libraries so that we can have really good guided reading, et cetera, et cetera. And we all agree that they were going to look a certain way, and, you know, that you could fix them up and make them really welcoming and inviting and get them all the supplies. And this is how we're going to level the books. And so, you know, you get to by three weeks from now, everybody's going to have their classroom library set up. And so, then you've got two two classrooms where they still just have a shelf with a bunch of books piled up and there's not welcoming it's not what we wanted so that's a conversation right and that could you could say that's a difficult conversation and you could give yourself you know a little rumble in your stomach about having the difficult conversation or you can say okay we need to go have an important conversation about this and um go to the classroom, you know, go to where they are, find the time. I think, I think timing is really important as well. And the place that you try to have these things is it can make people feel much more open, but okay. What, you know, what's, what's the reason for this? This is impacting achievement. This is what we agreed to talk to me about your classroom library. You know, in that situation, it was literally just not that the people were resisting is that they, these two women were looking around going, I could not possibly make my classroom library look like that no matter what. And I'm, I'm just intimidated by all these cute things that everybody's doing. I came from high school. I don't do that. And at the end of the day, it's like, can somebody, would you mind if somebody else came and did your library? I would love it, you know, but and it, it turned out to be a simple thing like that. I mean, that's a really literal example, but, um, but you could avoid that conversation. And like you said, assume that they're just being resistant and really they're just afraid and didn't feel like they could do it right. Or let your students do it or whatever. So those are, that is an important conversation because the staff has agreed to something because it's good for students, you know, to read lots of books because, because, because you can go right on down. So you bring those things up 
during those conversations. And I used to, I had a principal of my own principal one time, and he, I think that he just led and had conversations by walking around. I don't think there were, I was in a big school and I don't think there was more than two days that went by that he didn't pop into my room and have some sort of a conversation with me about my classroom or about learning or about a student. It was just, and I just gained so much from those and they weren't intimidating and they were conversations. So just that shift, I think is really important. And if I'm not having an important conversation today, then I'm probably not doing my job. Yeah. Yeah. And I love you, you talked about that principle and the comfort that you had at being related to the frequency of the conversations. And I do think there's, there's wisdom in that. I, what I've read about, you know, all this change around teacher uh, evaluation system in America. And they're talking about how revolutionizing that was supposed to really improve instruction. And what they found was, it really didn't. It didn't improve. We've changed how we do teacher evaluation, but it really hasn't improved it because teachers are still not feeling great about it because people who are doing the evaluations aren't in their classrooms enough. And so if someone's in my classroom, you know, two times a week and then they come do an evaluation on me, I feel pretty good about that. But if someone hasn't seen, been in my classroom and then they're in my, you know, to do an observation twice a year, I don't think that I trust that. So I think it's really valuable for us to think about, you know, how often are we having these important conversations? And the other thing that really interests me is how often are they targeted at the main thing, right. at instruction? Sometimes I think the difficult conversations, we, when we think about the word difficult, it, it comes down to things like someone showing up to work on time or right. professional professionalism obligations or, um, you know, a, a way they treated a colleague. But it's really, to me, as you said, more thinking about these important conversations we have with teachers about the, how they're you know, working with students and how that's going. And I, 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 that's the thing that interests me the most is how often are we having those? Yeah, I think you have, I think it is, does run a continuum really of the difficult conversation where, okay, this person's job might be on the line or whatever. That's, that's, that's where you sit down, you have your steps, you have it all written out, you follow protocols, but then there's these important conversations that you also, you know, can just have a little idea in your mind about why is it important for you to have this conversation during the conversation? What am I going to try to do? I'm going to try to learn. I'm going to try to, you know, break down barriers. I'm going to keep it connected to student achievement where I have the conversation, what time of day I have the conversation and a nuance that I've seen, um, because I'm older than some of the people that are teaching, um, then now with social media, email, text, everything, I even think that people also need to stop and think about what conversations should be had face-to-face, because I think we're trying to have too many important conversations through social media and not face-to-face. Yeah, I think um, both of us having our birth date in the Kennedy administration might might um, <laughs> affect our thoughts there. But I do think it's really true. I think that these things are so much different when they are in person. And allow for a little bit of the nuance and a little bit of the empathy that might not occur if it's if it's a flat communication where you know email or even social media um, huh. might fail us. So yeah, I think it's really valuable. <clears throat> I also think there's a lot to be had to be said about these things and a lot more conversation to be had. But um, our, our podcast today is coming to a close. But I just wanted to say how valuable I think all of this is for leaders to be thinking about this. And I really appreciate all your insights, as always, Kathy, on this. And I want to thank all of those who took the time to listen to the podcast here today and invite you to uh, interact with Focus Schools in many ways, including going to our website, www.focusschools.com 
www.ghostschools.com. And uh, like and follow on our social media pages that you can find there. We'd love to stay connected. And that allows a little two-way communication where you can share what's happening at your schools and you can see what's happening at schools that we work with all around the country. So thank you again for that time. We wish you the best in all the work that you're doing with kids and hope that you are taking time to take care of yourself because that is so important for those children that you serve. Thank you.